This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to another Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmaurice. We have a debutante. We've got an old hand and a debutante today. Uh, Joe Rimmer is with us uh, on my far... Right, it's a weird desk situation. They've gone all heighty fighty, right? Heighty hoity polity <laughs> in the echo. And you come in one week, and literally we were sitting on beer crates when we first started this. <laughs> and now it's like these Thunderbirds are go desks that, uh, that aren't really compatible with podcasts, but we'll give it a go. It's a bit weird. So sitting to my far right is Joe Rimmer. Long time no see, Mister Rimmer. I know it feels feels like forever. I haven't seen you for. I have to look at you through the corner. Yeah, of my you eye, do. You do. Tear me I'm an old poet, you see, so I just do yeah, it. Yeah, sort yeah, of, I just, you know. But yeah, it feels like feels like a long time. I haven't seen you. But it has been a long yeah, time. You went away, met the in-laws. Yeah, yeah. How well, was that? Was that like me yeah. fuckers? Uh, well, I've met them a few times, so oh, that's yeah, okay. it's, so you didn't um, try I'm used to it cat. now. But yeah, it, it was very good. We still can't communicate anyway. They, they speak French. I speak yeah. English. So there you go. They speak French. Easy. We speak normal. <laughs> um, and uh, alongside the old hand that is Joe Rimmer is a new hand in Theo Squires. Theo, how are you, pal? Good, thanks. First time on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, no worries, no nerves, mate. Just chill out. You'll be fine. You'll no problem <laughs> at all. He's got his he's got his bueno bar in hand just to make him feel at home. Yeah, make yeah. nice little welcome. Nice little welcome. Just come on more often. You, you, get, you, get, you get hugs, you get buenos, you get everything. It's a loving. Uh, if you are, wherever you are listening to this, wherever you're downloading this, thank you once again for your support. It is greatly appreciated. You're probably wet, I would imagine, if you're out and, out and about, uh, walking your dogs or whatever you're doing. Um, it is incessant rain. I think the next generation of kids are going to be born with gills. Gills and web feet. Unless you're a City fan, in which case you're probably fourth generation. <laughs> it's been an absolute awful summer, hasn't it? It's been a stinker, hasn't it? I can't believe we were arguing about like heat waves not going. It's the hottest time we've ever had. Now it's just like you've. But that was like a week, and yeah. then the rest of the summer has just been. Yeah. If this carries on, we'll have news at ten on soon, and it'll be, you know, when you get the fellas uh, reporting live from a village somewhere that's been flooded, yeah, and in yeah. the background there's always a pensioner getting pulled along in a boat. I love that, <laughs> like a little pensioner getting pulled along by a fella in waders off to the post office. All right, listen, uh, forget about the rain, forget about the cold. Doesn't matter. You're here with us now on poetry in motion. Let's uh, kick it off. Uh, two games down, two games won, full marks, super cup behind us, eleven games unbeaten. What's going wrong at Anfield, Joe Rimmer? Oh, everything, everything. Do you know what? It, it, it's been, it's weird, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter how many games you win. It, it, it feels like some people aren't quite happy with the start of the season. And, and I think it's always the way. And if you if you think back to last year, it was the same. The, the end of the season, all right, take, don't take into account Kiev, but firing on all cylinders and then they, they start the season and it's not quite the same. But that, that is every season, and that it's not just for Liverpool. That that is most teams because well, everyone's trying to find each other. Yeah, out, exactly. Everyone's it's, trying to get. The, it's a chess game, isn't it? Yeah, it takes a while to get into the swing of things. The defense isn't quite as organised as it could be. The fullbacks aren't really firing on all cylinders just yet. I, I think it'll be fine. And and the fact that they've won both their games, and if they can get through this test against Arsenal on Saturday, then that that is a really good start. So one trophy in the bag, two game, two league games won. I think, I think you can't ask for much more. Can you, you can't ask for much more, Theo. There seems to be, though, uh, uh, you know, some fans out there. And look, let's just play devil's advocate for a second and let's say that Liverpool seems to be... Uh, it's been suggested and denied by Gomez and a couple of other players, but it's been suggested that Liverpool are holding a higher line, the back four, um, to, 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 to close the gap between midfield and the, and the front three. Uh, presumably that's, that, that is to try and, you know, get more goals. But do you see this 
high line that they're denying. Do you see that we're, we're defending a little bit higher? We've conceded in, in, in every game, so so something's, something's not quite right at the back yet, Theo. It's one of those where I suppose they're trying to find their feet a bit. I think we saw against Norwich, there was a lot of times when Norwich were getting in behind the defence. Chelsea tried it a lot, but Liverpool, I think, got lucky, if you want to call it luck, with the calling off sides and that. But with VAR, it's an approach they can potentially get away with. I know they're denying it, but it might just be something that teams want to take on board. And if it is something that is going to be part of Liverpool's gameplay for the future, it's also working defensively as well. Like you think they're playing at the weekend, Arsenal, two of the paciest strikers in the Premier League they're going to be up against. And they could quite easily just sit on that halfway line, play a Bamiyang offside, play a Lacazette offside. And it's quite an interesting tactic, change of approach from them. Yeah, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because, uh, I mean, they have been getting away with it is, is, is probably a good analysis to use, a good, a good phrase to use, because there have been times, I mean, Puki scored a great goal where he didn't get away yeah, with it. Yeah. They were caught out there. They have been getting caught out. They are against, arguably, on Saturday, um, outside of ourselves and City, the, potentially the, the most dynamic and exciting front three, uh, uh, except for ours, of course, uh, if Pepe joins. Because when Pepe came on uh, last week, he looked very quick. He looked like he was going to get the read of the game very, very quickly. He could be dangerous. So when you got a Bamiyang, uh, Lacazette, and Pepe, there could be a. This could be a, a real litmus test for the back four, um, Joe. And that's a good point you make, Theo. Do you think VAR is 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 going to come into play with them holding this high line because they are, you know, it's a re- recipe for disaster, isn't it? Though to try and put so much faith in technology that's new like that. Yeah. I I don't know whether they're necessarily a higher line. I think they're certainly playing an offside trap um, because Pukki was in behind pretty much on the six, uh, the 18-yard box, wasn't he? But um, I think Arsenal, as you say, Arsenal is the biggest test because they have got real pacey players. We'll see whether Liverpool adapt ever so slightly to that. But um, I think, I personally think Klopp would be looking at that thinking Gomez is quick, Trent is quick, Robertson's quick, Van Dijk's no slouch. I'm backing his players. Um and I think it's something maybe as the season goes on that, that could end up being a really decent weapon for Liverpool. And so, yeah, maybe a risk now, but further down the line, it could it could be really good. So I quite like the fact that every year Klopp seems to add a new string to Liverpool's bow, doesn't he? Every, every year they, they seem to develop a little bit. And this seems to be perhaps a new development for Liverpool and, and perhaps to try and trap teams higher up the pitch so that they can press, win the ball back and become even more dangerous. So, all right. The, there's been one or two teething problems, but they've actually played offside quite well. I think they've they've caught teams offside over twenty odd times already this season, so it it could end up being really good. So I think it's too early to judge it yet. I think maybe five ten games in, if they're still league games. I mean, if they're still getting caught out and it's becoming an issue, then then perhaps you might scrap it. But I think for the time being, it's it's worth waiting it out and seeing whether it becomes a decent weapon for them. I think the issue with it at the moment is the new offside rule as well. The fact they let play on before yeah. they put the flag on. That's so annoying. Like against so Chelsea, annoying. was it two really good goals and you think, oh great, here we go again. But Liverpool did get Chelsea offside yeah. most of the time yeah. in that game yeah. and obviously with those goals, you think of the teams that have played great offside traps, Arsenal was the obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. But it annoys me sometimes because you watch commentary and they talk about like, I always remember PSG last year and Liverpool caught them offside one, one or two times. I think they scored from one of them. Yeah. I remember on commentary them saying, ah, oh, Liverpool was so lucky. Was, no, they weren't lucky. No, they're playing an offside trap. That's defending. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was the same against uh, Chelsea. Klopp, I'm sure, will have been very happy. Those goals went in, fine. But he'd been very happy with his defensive line. Liverpool were right. They caught the players offside. And if that happens all season, no, no one will mind. It, it's, it's where the players start getting behind and they do start conceding proper goals. But... 
I think the problem, as you say, the problem with this VAR rule is they do allow them to play on. It looks worse than perhaps it is because in the past, Flagger had gone up, played a stopped and, and no one would have talked well, about I, it. I'll tell you what annoys me, apart from the fact, the fact that watching it, it annoys me because you know it's going to get pulled up. Yeah. So why bother? There's another thing to put into the mix here. What happens if somebody is caught offside, the flag doesn't go up and a defender goes into challenge and one of those two players get seriously injured when that action should have been called up earlier. When it, uh, the original rule would have been as soon as that man is caught offside, the flag goes up. They're now allowing it to first touch. And that first touch could result in someone doing an ACL or doing or, or damaging another player. And that, in theory, then, was in dead time. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a stupid rule because we all know watching that that flag's going to go up. I don't see... I, I know, I guess they're doing it because there are other then phases of play where that yeah. person offside can then bring another player in who was onside. But I just find it really frustrating. I don't quite understand. So... So the ball goes through to a player who's offside. The flag doesn't go up until the, the phase of play ends. But well, if until he play, touches the ball, isn't it? Until he touches the ball. But I, it's end phase of play now, isn't it? The end of so, so, that's so the ball's in the net, net, and then the flag goes, and up. then the flag goes up. But then why? If that player's offside and he gets involved, then surely that ends. That should end the move, shouldn't it? It should be, but well, this is the confusion over this. Effectively, they're playing out a dead phase. Yeah. Because the phase is, is is over because they're going to pull it back anyway. Yeah. So it's a really, I, I, I think there are a lot of really, really um, unnecessary uh, additions to the rules. Um, it's the logic behind it because it's not really all on the referee and the linesman anymore. So they know if the goal goes in, well, they're going to get a VAR to check it, whether it's offside. So they can just let play go on and see yeah. what happens. Ah, okay. So that's what, it's more so it's, about so it's a VAR in thing, case yeah. the linesman is wrong yeah. Yeah. and then they hadn't scored. So therefore they can leave the goal. Okay. Yeah. No. But there's, I, I mean, that makes sense. There, there are other ones now. The whole idea now that, you know, back in the old days, which I think really helped, uh, will help defence, but it really helped attackers that, that that won't now is, you know, your feet could be in an, in an onside position and the rest of you leaning forward could be offside. That doesn't apply anymore because it's basically yeah. any part of your body apart from your hand, isn't it? Or any part of your body that's offside, they can, they can, they can score a goal. Uh, you know, much to City's dismay, we saw an incredible... Uh, rule change brought into play with the, with the handball off uh, off Laporte, which you know, as a Liverpool fan, I was absolutely rejoicing because I was driving to the comedy club thinking uh, they've just scored in the last seconds of the game. Yet again, City have pulled it out the bag, and and then to get that pulled up by that, I don't know whether you've seen the Twitter um, footage of the young lad who was in the Spurs game who did the same thing, but saves him because he seems to film himself during most games. <laughs> um, no VAR this time, no VAR this time, and of course it was. I mean. As as innocuous a, a touch on the hand as you can get, Honestly, but, but change the course of the ball. That's but the it, exactly, and I, do you know what? It's it's easy to sit here. Um, as a Liverpool fan, we haven't been on the end of these decisions yet. It's easy to sit here and say yeah, we oh, will. We but we will, yeah. And, and it's easy to sit here and say, oh, I agree. <laughs> but I was listening to um, Five Live on the way on the way to work the other day, and it, there was a City fan saying, oh, it's ruining the game. I think well. It's a rule and the rule's a rule and it hits his hand. And they will live by it and they will and die by exactly, it. It's yeah. They were 11 millimetres away from losing the league last year. Exactly, yeah. And, and Potentially because of, because of, you know, the ball not going over the line. So. Exactly, and, and if they hadn't, didn't have um, the, the the things on the post checking the ball over the line. Goal line technology. Per, perhaps, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't <laughs> yeah, think of it. Right. The things on the post. The things on the post. It's but, new technology now, it's out of mind. Yeah, yeah. If, that, if they didn't have had that, they hadn't had that, maybe the, the referee would have given that. And, and perhaps for City, further down the line, a key goal could go yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. It gets ruled out. Yeah. It, it's not 
It's nothing against any one club. No, what's, what's making me laugh even more is City fans are coming out saying that VAR has been brought in to make sure City doesn't win the league. I mean, the level of of neurosis is incredible at such an early stage in the, in their football history when it comes to modern day history, when it comes to winning stuff. They are as paranoid and neurotic now as as teams that have been doing this for years and years and years. They've just suddenly jumped, like their team jumped from nowhere to something. Their opinions have jumped from nowhere to something in the sense that we're not, no one's here to stop City winning the league. Only City can stop City winning the league. Yeah, but it's just it's just another rule, isn't it? It's a new rule. I don't, you know, that, that that guy was saying, oh, it should be clear and obvious. If it hits him in the hand, it hits him in the hand, and they can't start saying, well, you know, we'll let this one go because it wasn't that obvious. They, yeah. They've got to, they've got to draw the line. Technology somewhere. has to be clinical, yeah, doesn't it? it has and, to be and, and this totally whole thing clear. is clinical. The, the same thing with the offside. All right, yeah, it's just a shoulder, but where do you draw the line? Just start saying, ah, it's just a shoulder. We'll let that one go. But this other one is because then you're like you'll get other clubs saying it's unfair. You have to draw the line somewhere. I still think that one is wrong. I think I think the offline, I think the offside rule should always start at the feet and I think and, and because that's about timing it's about pushing your run but not letting your feet leave and that's when I think I mean being offside by your shoulder I think is ridiculous I really do because it's about running for the ball it's about getting it's about trying to get paid I mean look I put on Twitter the other day just after the City game there are weeks where I am going to hate VAR but this isn't one of them and it's true you know we are going to all lament VAR at some point during the season because it's going to knacker us up because that's that's how it's going to that's how it's going to be um so essentially then talking about Liverpool's defence, if you look at we we conceded fourteen goals last season in the entire in the entire season. We've conceded in our last three games, if you count the Chelsea game, we've conceded four. So we're looking at teething problems here, aren't we? We're looking at a system that is also early in the season. Um but no you can see no long term problem with, with, with the with the defensive defensive issues so far? I think it'll be all right because you look at how good the defence was last year, it was pretty much in two stages. It was Joe Gomez alongside Van Dyke for that first half and then Joel Matip for the second half of the season. Well this year they've had to vary it up a bit just because of international duty. Trent's played a lot of football. Yeah. Um and that's probably why it's not as fluid as it has been in the past and like learning the new tactics. Like you think Matip's had a go Gomez has had a go what right back centre back I think he finished it left back in one of the games as well well if you're not going to have that fluidity of the back four staying the same when you've got the goalkeeper changing as well you're obviously going to get uh, a few more goals going in because it takes time to find that stability to get them all on the same page so they can just go and dominate games yeah uh, it's difficult isn't it as well because <laughs> if you look at the, the goal they can see the, the goal they can see against Southampton is so bizarre that you can't exactly blame the defence, can you? You can't. You can't say that that's an issue for the. No. It's, it's a total mad error. That no, I mean, that was that was your typical example again. of ten minutes to go, absolutely <laughs> cruising it, and then and, what a game can be turned potentially turned on its head because we are a Danny Ings sitter away from a two-two draw. Definitely, but but uh, you know, as you say, that game turned on its head because it was because Adrian made what was a very bizarre error, and yeah. I don't think if he's made that error, I don't think Southampton would have had the pressure that they had no. towards the end. So. I think it's it's a hard one to judge, as Theo says. Once things settle down and they have a more regular back four, I do think at some stage I'd like to see Klopp make a decision: is it going to be Gomez or is it going to be Matty? Yeah, as your centre half, um, because personally I like to see a partnership. I think, yeah, I absolutely, think two central defenders. It's an interesting well. one that, Josh, because I think everyone, a lot of fans I've spoken to, have said that Matip is, is fully deserving of his place alongside Van Dijk uh, after the way he finished the, the league. You know, he came in at a time when Gomez was out. And we all went, oh no, Matip. But he steadied he, he steadied his game. He, he played brilliantly alongside Van Dijk. Van Dijk shows his leadership skills anyway. But he, he was brilliant. He did nothing wrong right up to the final. In fact, he put a delicious little one on a plate for for Arigi to uh, to, to make it two 0 
and then he starts this 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 season out of the frame really and he, uh, and although he played against Southampton but I think he deserves he deserves a crack but it's it's a difficult one isn't it because with Gomez you have more pace than you do with Matip and, and he can be a bit a little bit cooler but there's a mistake in Gomez as well there is he's only young I think I thought it spoke volumes that Gomez started the season didn't he at centre half and I know Matip's kind of come in now but I think that says a lot about how Klopp, when everyone's fit, when it's a clean yeah. slate, how yeah. Klopp sees things. And perhaps what we were talking about before with, with um, them playing an offside trap, perhaps Gomez just suits it a little bit better because he's a quicker, younger player. But He's the future of that defence. Yeah, really. you would think so, yeah. And like Matip's as, as, long as, as long as he's a centre-back, he is. I don't like him, I don't like him playing, Gomez playing anywhere else. Do you not, not right-back now? No, I just don't think... I think it's, his balance is wrong on a right, as a right-back. I think he's much more... He's much more uh, suited to centre back for me. Yeah, I don't mind him at right back. I think he's he's good replacement. Yeah, he's a good don't replacement. Think it's yeah, his... yeah, I don't think it's his natural position. Yeah. But I, I do like him as a centre half. I just think he needs a run of games, and it's difficult, isn't it? Because at this early stage of the season, when there's a lot of games, 120 minutes uh, the other night. Yeah, extraordinary. It, it's it's hard. So there's a bit of chopping and changing. But I'd like to see that settle down and Klopp make a, a firm decision. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about because for me. The, the unfinished sort of section of our team seems to be the midfield. He doesn't really know what to go with. You're talking then about Klopp's ideal first team lineup. everybody fit, who goes in. Who goes into that midfield? Because, OK, Fabinho has started a little bit sluggish, but Fabinho, you've, you, you feel confident enough to say, will hold down that centre mid place. He's a, great, he's, a, he's a great tackler, a great timer of the ball, great, a great passer, got good vision. Who are we having alongside that? I was reading briefly today about the um, Cater's manager, his international manager, has been banned. He's been banned and fined £100,000 or something for uh, unethical playing players when he knows they're injured. It was a thing that's come out in the news today. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to double-check that source. But, um, I mean, Cater's come back here, arguably played injured internationally and then come back here and he's injured again. So we're losing Naby Cater yet again. Uh, although it was supposed to be a training incident, wasn't it? But, um, who is our midfield? Who is the midfield that you think Klopp ideally wants, Theo? Um, Henderson, I think he's the captain. He's done enough to prove his doubt is wrong. He's obviously a lot better in that advanced role. He deserves the place. Genie uh, Ronaldo's had a slow start to the season. And then with Oxlade-Chamberlain, you're waiting for him to get in. I think, like I've said with Gomez, I think Klopp really, he looks to the future, he looks to these younger players. So if you're t- saying to him, you've got all your players fit, they're all at the top of their game, then his first choice three is probably Cater and Chamberlain with Fabinho. They're the youngest three. They're the ones that are going to be the long-term option there. And it's like gradually easing out Henderson, Van Alden and James Milner. Do you, you agree so? with that, John? Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, I think... Get out of the <laughs> Obviously, I think Fabinho is now a lock. Um, and then I do, Klopp, look, Klopp's always going to rotate, so I don't think it'll ever be one firm three. But yeah, I think he, he takes likes, it game by game, doesn't yeah. he? He looks at the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition. I think he likes Wijnaldum a lot. And I think Wijnaldum, I, and this is off the top of my head, there might be people would start to t- tell me I'm wrong about this, but for me, it always feels like Liverpool are at their best when Wijnaldum is in that midfield. He seems to do a, quietly do a good job of knitting things together. So I would say Fabinho Wijnaldum, and right now Henderson, although I think this was, and I think Cater was almost nailed on to start in the Super Cup final before he got injured. And I think we'll start seeing Cater if he can stay fit. If he can stay often. fit. There is, there, there is starting to be a little bit of a worry, although somebody statistically come out and said that he hasn't really been 
that injured. He feels like he's always been injured to me. He's one of them players who feels like he's constantly got a niggle, though. That was Doily um, who wrote that piece. Um, and apparently, he has a lot of smaller injuries. I don't think he's had any real major injuries, so... There was that, um, was it his chest or something when yeah. he came down? Was it Napoli, the Champions League? Yeah. That weird like, thing about the flight. There was something about something his, about his, he slept yeah. funny and his neck was bad yeah. or something. I mean, it just feels very stop-start for him and he's the sort of player now that... You need some momentum. I want to see him, yeah. And I, I want to see him playing a few games and he was just starting to build momentum towards the last season, um, towards the end of last season. And now it's stopped again. And yeah, I just, I just had this feeling he was definitely going to start in that Super Cup final. And then... The injury happened and he, he's gone back to square one. Um, he needs to kick on. And I think he adds an element to Liverpool's midfield that they don't really have. Someone that can move with the ball, someone that... Yeah, that's, I think that's been a problem. We, we've we've discussed this in previous podcasts. The transitions between midfield and, and, and attacking positions is, is is a lot slower without without a player that can play with the ball. I mean, Kante proved in the Super Cup final what a performance from him. And he was just extraordinary, wasn't he? He was like an engine. He just kept going and kept going. And, and his, his turn of pace with the ball at his feet is, is crucial, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, between between Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think those are the two players that give Liverpool's midfield a bit of an X factor. They're, they're two men who, when they're fit and firing, like to carry the ball. They like to, to get the ball really high up the pitch. They they both take shots. I don't think enough of Liverpool's midfielders seem to have enough shots from outside the box. So it's just something different, isn't you it? Think Kate, you think Kate Oxlade-Chamberlain, Fabinho, is a three that Klopp would use? Personally, I don't, because I don't think he would play yep. Oxlade-Chamberlain and Kate together. No. I think it's one or two, one of them two, plus your Fabinho and And, 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 and Oxlade-Chamberlain can only... longer re- term, though. Longer term, do you like, think? Say when you're playing at Norwich at home, when you think you're going to control a game. But surely you need someone in a, in a deeper position just That would be Fabinho, presumably. Yeah. Because there are going to be games where it is just Fabinho holds it with the centre-backs and everyone else bombs forward. It's interesting because I think Oxlade-Chamberlain plays at his best in the centre. I don't think, I don't, winger-wise, I'm not, I'm not too sure he plays. So, so do I, but I, I think as one of the two, him and Keita are sort of interchangeable. And then you have the Wijnaldum or Henderson plus Fabinho. But I suppose that that's the beauty of having so many options, isn't it? <laughs> One good thing that we can we seem to be able to hang our hats on or hang our coats on at, at, at this stage with Liverpool is the front three. The front three just just deliver, don't they? I mean, Sadio Mane. It's that I, th- I heard someone saying, I don't know, it was one of the commentary team was just saying that the, the, the big problem with teams facing Liverpool is that if you concentrate on Salah, Mane will punish you. If you concentrate on Mane, Salah will punish you. If you concentrate on any of the other two, Firmino's going to put uh, you know, Firmino's going to punch you. He, they are an incredible front three, aren't they? And, and, and we saw it in the Super Cup when Bobby came on and made a difference. He links up those two so well, doesn't he? He's such an incredibly skillful player. Yeah, I think this could be Bobby's year. Like we yeah. saw at 17 18 of Salah last year was Mane. And you think, well, defences focus on that one. Well, he's had such a good start to the season. Um, almost scored spectacular goals in the Community Shield and against Norwich. Now he's off the mark. He should have really, before his goal against Southampton, he should oh, have scored yeah. an infinitely yeah. easier tap in, really, wasn't it? It was just a touch that he put past the post. But the goal that he made up for was just incredible, wasn't it? He's just a fantastic player. He, he is that Liverpool front three. It brings it all together. Like we've seen when Origi's not, when Origi's been in, it's not quite the same when you've got the three of them together they do complement each other so well but you can see why Klopp rates Firmino so highly why he wanted him rushed back after the Copa America and what Liverpool were missing towards the last uh, weeks of last season like in the start of the Champions League final they weren't at their best Firmino wasn't at his best having been rushed back 
and when he's on form, he's a magnificent player to watch. He just he does so much that you sort of you lose half of it, don't you? You lose you don't realise until he's not. I mean, the amount of tracking back he does, the amount of the, the amount of pressing that he does to, to to win possession back, is such a such an incredible um, provider of, of of goals and assists, isn't he for Liverpool, Joe? I, I think he's the key man from three, isn't he? As as good as Salah and and Mane are, and they are absolutely world class. It, everything just works better when Firmino's in the middle of them. He's he's just, as you say, he, he does a bit of everything. He can he can he can head the ball. He can shoot with either foot. He can dribble. He he tracks back. He's no slouch. He just, yeah. I, I, he started this season like an absolute house on fire. He he's the he's the difference when he's on the pitch. Um, that impact he made in the Super Cup final was just. It just flicked the switch. The for touch Liverpool, for that goal as well. Oh, the little touch of the, of yeah, the foot, you know. It, just, it was just so unselfish, wasn't it? So many other players with a shot there, and he just made sure it was a guaranteed goal, yeah, didn't and he? That's what he does so well, doesn't he? He really, I, sorry, I appreciate him more when he's not in the team. And I think the best yeah. thing you can say about him is if you lost a, a Salah or Mane, you can see other players in the game who are like them. Like Nicolas Pepe, he is someone you can see in that mould. Who, who is there like Roberto Firmino? Who could yeah. they bring in to replace him? Yeah. He's one of a kind. He's a bit of a problem, isn't he, for Liverpool? Because yeah. if he's not playing and if he gets injured, God forbid, as you say, that there there aren't many people that you could put in there that will that will make up for it. And that's why I think Klopp's changed his formation at times to play Salah up front or whatever, and, and the the two three um, was it two three one or whatever it was. But he changed formation just because I don't think you can, I don't think Liverpool operate anywhere as near as well when Firmino's not on the pitch. Um, it's. I think you made a good point about him from, uh, Theo earlier this summer. He 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 struggled in the, in the Champions League final. Rushed back from injury, struggled a little bit, and then it was it was almost good that they had the Copa America because it got him back into the swing yeah. of things. Yeah, and then he's hit this hit the ground running this season. Yeah, he has. His fitness has been up yeah. there, hasn't it? And yeah. and and uh, he, we're definitely so much more of a better outfit with Bobby Firmino playing for us. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Shakiri's made some comments during the week about being dis- obviously about his disappointments. I I, I feel for for Shakiri. Yeah. I mean, look, he's come from Stoke to win a Champions League, so let's not feel too. But but, <laughs> but he's never really let us down, has he? I mean, he, he, whenever he's called, been called upon, he's always seemed to come up with something. You've never really had a game where you've gone, well, Shakiri didn't really do anything there, get him off. He always seems to contribute. He's to, but you just he, he must he must walk around the place now thinking I'm not anywhere near this guy's plans because. Klopp just doesn't seem to fancy him at all, does he, Theo? He's a bit of a maverick. He's someone you can't really trust because he can do the unexpected. And while that's exciting, it gets fans off their seats and it can win a game in just an instant. It's not really what you want in that Liverpool system. But there will be times over a season when you do need it. Like he came I've never in. really You say that, though. I've never really seen him do anything mavericky anyway. I've, I, I know he's not going to run 30 yards and slide tackle and get a ball back, but I have seen him chase back and collect a ball. I have seen him do that. It's almost like he tried to, he did try to step up his game. We've just talked about a midfield that is so difficult to pin down anyway. So I get it. I get the, I'm sure he came to Liverpool thinking, I'm going to be a fringe player, but I'm going to try and burst my way forward. He's done all he can. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the some of the crosses he put in for last season for, you know, you know, when Alden's header for, for against Barcelona, the, the free kick for, for, for Origi. Um, he's he's done some brilliant things. He, he hasn't let us down, and you do. I do feel for him. He's the kind of player I like to see in a Liverpool team. He's the kind of, I like the unpredictable and I like the maverick because I think that's what Liverpool are about. I think they've always had a player that's been able to do that, the McDermotts and all that kind of stuff. But it, 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 I, I do feel sad for him because I think he's he's very rarely going to get a chance this season. He's a sort of player who 
you wouldn't want to lose. You'd never want to sell. Yeah. But you would. No one's picking him in their team, are they? Every week, and, <laughs> no. and that includes the manager. And I, fi- I do feel sorry for him. I, d- I did think there was a point last season. I think it was like in the in, between sort of January and, and like March where he barely featured, yeah. and yeah. I couldn't really understand why he never even came off the bench. It, it just got to a point where he just wasn't involved, and. I think he, he could look back at last season and he made a good contribution, as you say, in the Barcelona game. Came on, played well, um, scored a lot of goals early in the season. Obviously, the Man United game was, was influential in that. So I think he can be very happy with himself, but I understand how frustrated he, he must feel. But he, he must have known this going in. You know, he yeah. wasn't going to come to Liverpool and get in that front three, no one is. And as you say about the midfield, he just doesn't really suit being in there. So It's a tricky it's a, one. It's a tricky it? one. Yeah. And... and I just think he's going to have to be happy being an impact player. Uh, I would goes. imagine he's going to sit out this season and, and then or go to the next window and say, look, I want to get off. And you can see why, because he deserves to play football. Put it that way, he deserves to be in a team that appreciate what he can do. And you just know if he did get a move that he'd go back and to whatever side, come back to Anfield and he'd definitely haunt them. He's that sort of player. He'd score, what, two, three goals, win a game in shock and just do his arms cross celebration, yeah, yeah, smoke yeah. down the camera. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good player. Uh, he doesn't really fit, but it is good to have that option. So of course windows closed now for us. Didn't get anyone of, of any note that people were, were screaming out for. I do. I must admit, I do kind of get that feeling when I'm watching Liverpool play that at any given moment, every time I see the front three or or, or the big man go down, you're just terrified, and you're terrified that something's going to happen to one of those front three. And, and think, you know, for all of Rodriguez's abilities, he, he doesn't track back. He's he's God. He's when you watch him, you think God. He's lazy on the ball, Rodriguez, and he he never really floats back and tries to win a ball back. He, he's in a completely different mould than him from three. You do you do wonder, and, and as the season goes on, the arguments about not strengthening the squad are gonna they're gonna resurface. They're gonna they're gonna come back to haunt us one way or the other because it's because it's newsworthy. But do you think he's done the right thing? Do you think that do you think that we should have? Had, they're talking about. Um, Plotting a move for, for Havertz, isn't he? 19, yeah, 19 yeah, million yeah. pound move for Havertz. Yeah. But, you know, you're plotting after the next window then, aren't you? But do you think they do you think they should have strengthened or do you think that... I know it's an argument we've had a hundred times already and we'll have it a hundred times more, but... Yeah, it's a difficult one. I, in an ideal world, you, you'd have liked to have seen them bring in one or two players, a, a forward, a backup forward, and um, perhaps a left-back. But I, I can understand their argument that, you know, for left-back, again... Look, we've just talked about Shakiri's situation. For example, if you've got a left-back in, they know full well. No one's getting ahead of Andy Robertson. He no. barely misses a game. Touch wood, he's, he's, he's hardly ever injured. So they know full well. It's, it's duf- difficult to get that sort of player. A forward would have been nice, but you go out and spend £70 million on a Nicolas Pepe when he's getting nowhere near the team. It, yeah. it, it, Liverpool are By all accounts, he, he rejected us for Arsenal for that very reason. For that yeah. very reason. So... I think it was a difficult one. I think in an ideal world, we'd like to have seen them strengthen. They didn't. As you say, those arguments will rear their ugly head again at some point in the season. But but I do think as well, Liverpool plan ahead, don't they? And, and Havertz is one who uh, we did check out with Liverpool this summer when he was linked with them. And it was an interesting one because our sources and stuff sort of said he's not the sort of player we're after. He's, he's cost too much money. But it felt very much like a for the time being. Yeah. I do wonder whether he's someone in the future who they, they could look at. Um, make that sounds with Mbappe in the past as well. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to want a younger so, forward at some point. And, and he's good, isn't he? And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool would want to be in the conversation if he was available. And then next summer, Doyle had a good 
theory about perhaps financial fair play, whether Liverpool are waiting to see that out and whether this year was just a bit of a holding year until next year when, when we find out what happens to Man City. So I don't know. Um, it's an interesting one. I think they'll need to spend money next summer. There's going to be a fair few positions that they'll have to look at then. Um, and perhaps they're just holding their cards close to their chest for them. Yeah, well, one saga that is definitely over is the saga of Philippus Coutinho, because of course he went to Bayern Munich. I wish him all the best. I'd have had him back in the team. I don't know, people wouldn't and said, oh, no, you know, I would have. I think he's just a genius. But again, would he would he find himself straight back in the team? That's the thing, isn't it? But uh, I, I, at least he's found a club now and gone away from the toxic atmosphere of, of Barcelona, because that wasn't doing him any good whatsoever. Talk about a dream going sour. But um, that's the chance you take when you leave the mighty Reds, isn't it? Definitely. Okay, we'll get him back in a heartbeat. We can talk about this. Sorry, we can yes. talk about this. We've got a hand of the piece of paper. Um, and it is the news that the Anfield Road End plans have been scrapped. Uh, the plans to just kind of uh, redo the Annie Road End uh, have been scrapped. Instead, Liverpool Football Club are going to submit a new, bigger, and better stand in excess of 60,000. So let's take it down and. I think this was always on the cards, and I think they've been making a lot of noise for a long time. They, they, they had. Um, planning permission went in years ago didn't it essentially and I think they with the success the main, yeah, with the success of the main stand and I the think. way that's gone I think they've probably looked at it and thought you know what we can do a lot better than yeah. what we've put in so I think whilst the, the headline plan scrapped sounds worrying it's because bigger and better, bigger plans, and better plans are coming um, and do you know what they still have their critics at times but I, I still think it underlines again that Liverpool are under the right ownership who um, know how to do these sorts of things properly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Apart from trying to copyright their name. Well, <laughs> step away uh, from that one, boys. It's, it's funny. It's, it's, there's things like that which I just can't understand for the life of me. Why Why are you bothering me? Well, that? That, that, that's, that's the business side of them saying, suppose, you know, yeah. I think what happened there was I think, I think uh, when we had all those wonderful images of Liverpool Football Club fans all over the world celebrating the Champions League. I think someone in the Anfield was going, that's not our poster. That's not one of our posters. That's not one of ours. You know, I've got a mate of mine who owns a shop just by Anfield and, and he's you know, he's not sitting back on a yacht. The guy's making a living. He's making a living. And he, by the way, he's probably spent more money following the football club than he has made money selling T-shirts. So I think what they're doing is they're broad stroking to try and get because they must lose millions and millions and millions of pounds in, 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 in revenue because they're not buying official club stuff. But you cannot, it's, you can't, it's like firing a shotgun to kill a moth, you know what I mean? You, you can't, you're going to leave a hell of a mess for everyone. You're going to leave, and you're going to leave a lot of people skint and a lot of people without work and a lot of people, so you can't do it. They've, they've, do, do, do you think this is, like, I, I almost think it's what makes them very good as businessmen, being almost ruthless like this. Yeah. But when you're running a football club, you, you have to see these nuances and you have to, as you say, it's like using a shotgun, I like that analogy. But <laughs> I think it's, it's almost like, they're victims of what makes them good, isn't it? You know, yeah. they, Liverpool fans want to see the club make a lot of money, become commercial giants because it translates to money on the pitch yeah. to buy players and get better. Um, whilst Liverpool's commercial revenues have gone up and up and up under FSG, they then throw one of these and every now and again, you think, no, that's 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 not a it's good ridiculous. idea. ridiculous. You know, what they should be doing is going to these young traders and young businessmen and businesswomen and going, we love your savvy. Because there's a reason why fans are buying their stuff. It's because it's more connected to the fans. Yeah. They're not. They're, 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 you might as well go to Next and buy a top, then go to Liverpool and buy a top, because you know it's 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 a it's a sort of a 
it's a clinical kind of brand that isn't, you know, whereas these lads who are selling them from street markets, they're lads, they're, they're boys, they're, they're who the fans want to buy stuff off, they feel more connected. So you'd think that officials of the club should be sitting down with these market traders and sitting down with these guys and, and these women who own shops and saying, we want to pick your brains, we want to connect, we want to bridge the gap. I think they have done at times. They have yeah. done with like the Anfield Wrap and with yeah. with um, Boss Night and things like that. And, they, and they've done that quite well. Yeah, yeah. And then every now and again, they drop one of these in. So I think... Uh, but the good thing, what I think we've noticed in the past, is that they tend to see the reaction. Yeah, listen and go. You know, he seems to have a good track record. And yeah. going, yeah, all right, we'll we'll pull back on yeah, that let's one. Try and learn well, let's hope they do that again because because it is a big issue and it's one's not going to go away. And the little people, uh, or the people they think are the little people, have actually have a massive, massive backing. So. Uh, there's one thing Liverpool fans know how to do. It's it's back each other in a crisis or back each other when they think that something's wrong. So yeah, definitely. be careful with that one, the big boys at Anfield. Uh, but more importantly, anyway, An- Anfield Road, uh, uh, the Annie Road ends scrapped and they're going to build a new stadium. One thing they ain't going to be doing is getting it built by Carillion. <laughs> Carillion built the big stands, but they ain't no more. So they, they so so there'll be another company doing that. But I mean, a new stand is incredible. I was in New Brighton the other day for my birthday with the kids. Um, doing went to some shooting range with the with the boys and and. Um, you get off the, you, you, we, we, we got out the car and it's the first thing you see when you look over that skyline, you see the graces and then you've just got that massive stand. It's an extraordinary piece of work, isn't it? I, I love it. I, I think the great thing about it is Anfield didn't, it doesn't, didn't lose anything from it. And, and now it feels like you walk around Anfield and if you, I, I try and put myself in the position of someone who might, somebody might fly over from wherever it might be, America, might be, somewhere in Europe, might be somewhere in the Far East, and they go and see Anfield and they walk around it and they'd be impressed, wouldn't they? Yeah. They walk they walk past all that red brick where the, the big stairs are running up to it and they, they'd think, wow, this is a serious football arena. And I, and I think that it just looks fantastic and if they can do something like that with the Anfield Road and it's the one stand, isn't it, in, in yeah. the whole of Anfield that you think it needs doing. Yeah. So if they can do something with that, then great. You think of these uh, big continental stadiums that are synonymous with the clubs like the San Siro. You yeah, like, you San Siro recently, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. In the summer, nice little summer holiday there. But they, these are the stadiums you look at and you go, wow. They're like, you can link them to the clubs, you know, that history yeah. there. So it was obviously a great decision for him to stay at Anfield. But the the big main, the main stand, it's iconic, isn't it? It stands out and it, it gets that bit of identity there. It's something special about Liverpool Stadium that you can see from the outside. Yeah. As yeah. Well, as well it's inside. actually part of the skyline. Yeah. It's actually part of the Liverpool skyline. Everton will hate, hate that. But it is. I mean, you look, you see the cathedrals, you see, and then you see that just enormous mm. kind of little bank of red there with the grey trim around it. And you think, that's our stand. It's, 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 it is an incredible thing. So that long, long made that continue. And I look forward to seeing what happens yeah. with the Annie Road then, because uh, if that matches up to that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start looking like such an imposing ground to get to. Oh, it's it's going to look great. Um, won't be many bigger than Anfield either. No, there won't be. That's, that's, yeah. up, that's in excess of 60,000. Yeah. I think I think they were always probably thinking, let's see how, how well the main stand does. And oh, Liverpool aren't going to be struggling to sell tickets anytime soon, are they? That It's just, with the success they've had on the pitch, it just keeps going up and up. They could probably stick an extra 20,000 seats on there and they'd still sell out, wouldn't they? So it's great, yeah. Exciting, really exciting news. Really exciting times. Let's look forward then to Saturday's game, arguably the game of the season so far. It's only two, three games in, but it's the top two. Um, and and in many ways, our strengths and weaknesses will be underlined here, won't they, one way or the other, because we will have a really, really pacey front two, possibly front three, uh, in in Beppe and uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette against our back five. 
Adrian's Adrian's been doing Adrian's been doing a great job, and he, <laughs> you know, I mean, Southampton, the Southampton goal was a, was was a, a nightmare, and he'd he'd signposted it in the first half, hadn't he? <laughs> when he took his time, just get rid of the ball, man. Don't try and do an Allison. What what's the news on Allison's recovery? Any any couple of weeks is it? Couple of- it's very quiet. I think Liverpool are being purposely quite careful with that one. I don't I don't think. I don't think they benefit from putting out any type of time scale because it might put pressure on Adrian. Yeah. So um, I think they're hopeful because he doesn't suffer many injuries that he'll recover quite well and come back fairly soon. But I don't think it'll be in the coming couple of weeks. So with the, the timing of it, you're saying what, after the international break, you it's probably the so. safe option. Yeah, you would think so. You feel it, do you, you do feel it uh, like, the, like the back four with Adrian are not, they're not as confident, are they? You feel like they're... I mean, he's doing great, but he's pulling off some good saves, by the way, as well. He's not just positioning himself right and stuff. He's pulling off some crackers, but you can feel that, like, you know, 95% safe, but not, 90, not 100% because Alisson isn't behind. It just shows the strength of the character and the ability of Alisson, doesn't it? It's also part of the problem with him coming so late in the window. At least if Mingale had gone at the start of the summer, he'd have had a whole pre-season, yeah. whole training camp to get used to him. But he's had, what, a week's notice. With his first week, he's won a trophy. Incredible. It? <laughs> it's just madness and it's going to take time. But he's probably looking a lot more settled off the cuff than, say, Carrius did when yeah. he came in. Yeah. So the promising signs there, he, he wouldn't have expected this opportunity anywhere near as early as he's got it. Um, hopefully he's got that mistake out of the locker now. Do it in a Southampton game where you're winning anyway. Don't do it against Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, where it's top a great point. Up for grabs. Yeah. Well, it's what Klopp said. He's ticked the box now. And if you're an Anfield, <laughs> if you're a goalie, you've got to do something like that because they've all done it, haven't they? I mean, you know, Allison's had his had his uh, had his nightmares. Uh, Carius, of course, wrote the book on them uh, and Mignolet. So he's ticked the book. Ticked, like you say, just get when that ball comes back to you. Just rose edit. Don't be trying to do the f- fancy footwork. Yeah, especially for someone like Adrian. Who, who look, he's not. It's not as if he's trying to impress and force his way into the team ahead of Allison. That's never going to happen. So for the next however many Enjoy weeks, yourself, he, yeah. he's in goal. Do it, Do the simple things, yeah. do them well. And um, yeah, don't don't mess about. Hopefully that is out of the system. He's an all right shot stopper. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't think he's much better than an average goalkeeper. It's middle of the road. I don't think he's as good as Mignolet. A few people disagree with me, but I don't think he is. I think he's a good character. I think that serves him well. Um, and I don't think he's he doesn't look overawed by it all. No, that's the most but important thing, I think, because he, he has pulled off some good saves. And, and in goalkeeping terms, you generally get, don't you, you get goalkeepers who are, you know, 80% of the goalkeepers are of the same standard of stuff, and then you have them a little bit of a cut above. And we, yeah. in Allison, you've got that kind of goalie, so you're always going to, you're always going to suffer when it comes to to analysis and comparison to someone like that. But he's come in and he's he's, he's more, most important thing is think what you just said. He hasn't been overawed by the occasion. I think he's been uh, I think he's done a, he's done a good job. Long may that continue, kind of thing. Um, Arsenal have strengthened uh, in in the, both that midfield play. Or they got him on loan from Real Madrid, have they? Mm-hmm. Cabalas, Cabalas, good, he, he had a couple assists at the weekend. Yeah. He had a great game at the weekend. And um, do you think there are areas uh, in Arsenal's? squad and, and the way they play they could hate us on Saturday um, the attack and the midfield very good the defence not so much yeah we've always got that <laughs> haven't we the defence are ropey what we've been saying about Arsenal for years now and I think um, was it Kevin Nolan who's done his predicted team yeah. there's been like a young a teenager mad, in the middle there mad team. so Arsenal have always had this issue where half the team's really good and the other half isn't so yeah. We had these same debates last year oh what Liverpool's defence going to do up against a proper test here but then Liverpool just went and spanked them 5-1 it's like You'd imagine it's going to be the same again. Maybe not 5-1, but Liverpool, if they're on form, should have enough to get through. You agree with that, Yeah, I just found Arsenal fully sad. Even when, like, think back under Benitez, 
they seem to be good at the things that Liverpool weren't so good at and vice versa. And now Liverpool have just moted past them by tightening up at the other end. Um, they have got like a bit of a Liverpool a few seasons ago feel about them where they've yeah. got a good attack, yeah. some good technical players, but their midfield still seems a bit wide open. I mean, yeah. I think it's one thing that Cabela's doing it at home, but whether he can go away to Anfield, is he going to see as much of the ball? No. Can he dig in? I don't know. I, th- I just think there'll be a big test for their defence, whether they can go guns blazing with Liverpool. And I just, I think Liverpool, will, I think Liverpool will, will welcome that. I think they'll be happy for, to have an Arsenal team that will come and have a go at them because it'll mean space at the other end. It'll mean space that we can exploit. Which when you like compare the, the weaknesses, I suppose um, there's always that uh, question mark over Trent, the fact he's so good attacking, but he does get caught out from behind. Well, they're playing a young winger at right back and have done for what the last year now, and Maitland-Niles, yeah. that's someone you can get you at. You can really get at. Uh, we all know how shaky David Luiz can be. An Arsenal fan, is, well, Jacques is the captain, and they don't particularly like him that much. No. They don't rate him. So he's a bit of a bruiser, isn't he, Jacques? It's a weird I can't. He's a strange one, isn't he? He tackles like Paul Scholes, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, just, he's, he's all or nothing, isn't he? And yeah. He can either thunder one in from 40 yards or smash it into Rosette. He's very unpredictable, isn't he, yeah. Jacques? Well, it's like a lot of their players. It's, yeah. They seem to have players that, that are unpredictable. And, and that aren't quite as consistent as they want them to be. But I think that's when you're shopping in that bracket just before. You look at Pepe, it was a gamble Liverpool didn't really need to take. No. And and, and they're hoping he will be as good as the likes Well, he hasn't burst and, into the first team. He's, he's no, a no, sub no. coming on. So whether or not that's just to get his burdens or what. But. And, and will he be able to play alongside the Bamiyang and Lacazette? And we'll see. I mean, you've still got Ozil there as well. You've still got Ozil, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think. I don't think Liverpool will be overly worried about them, um, but they they should be careful because they can hurt them, Arsenal. They've got it's massively important. Players. I know this sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but it's massively important that we grab as many chances and points as we can now because, you know, we're too ahead of City already. If we can try and establish, because they are, you know, you're looking at City and you're going, there's a, there's a formality to most of their games, isn't there? They, 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 and it's not just... They work hard. They are a great side to watch. They cover ground. They take the ball back very, very quickly. And I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that there is a, this is a two-team league at the moment. You look at uh, how they dominated Spurs. They were the best team on the pitch by an absolute mile. Absolute so much mile. more possession, so many more chances. It's quite lucky for Liverpool. It was really lucky. We've got to grab all those chances. We've got to make sure that... Liverpool need, them to, need yeah. teams to be lucky against We'd absolutely them. do. And, and, and as you said, I, I don't think... You can no longer afford to just throw one in, can you? If you're playing Arsenal at home, Arsenal away, you can you can more probably be more than happy with a point. But at home, we got a point you, last year. Though. I mean, I mean, Lacazette's equalised, didn't he? With, mm-hmm. with, with with in in the dying embers of the game, yeah. and you just think every one of those little dodgy dodgy last minute goals cost us. But I definitely think at home, you you've got to you've got to almost beat everyone below you now, haven't you? You you can't you can't afford to to have the odd draw or certainly the odd defeat. The the bar's been raised too high now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, onwards and upwards, Saturday, big game, Arsenal. I will be there. I'm going as a guest of Steve Hothersell. Steve's a great old mate of mine, brilliant commentator. If you remember his, his commentaries with John Aldridge for Radio City, but absolutely fantastic. Grew he's a great listening presenter. to them. They were yeah, brilliant, weren't yeah. they? And uh, he's a good mate of mine, Steve. So I'm going to go go to match with Steve. It's my little birthday treat weekend, so I'm going to go and watch the match with him. Theo Squires, a great debut, sir. 
Thank you. I think it's you Enjoyed know it. I, I think it's the equivalent of smashing one in the net from thirty yards. Hopefully, you see that one good? of those on a yeah, Saturday. Yeah, good yeah, debut, yeah, man. Yeah. He kept himself. He yeah. didn't, you didn't know, give the ball away. Didn't give the ball. No. He kept it tight. You know, yeah. that was very good. All right, fifteen yards. <laughs> Maybe not thirty. I'm giving a bit too much there, aren't I? Joe Rimmer, steady as always. Just like you know, yeah. like the hippie, like the hippie of Van Dyke, aren't you? He's just hippie, but uh, half the height. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't know. You know. Well, it's always a pleasure, lads. Thank you very much once again. Thanks for listening. Thanks for backing all of the Blood Red podcasts. We really appreciate them all, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you all again soon. Up the Reds, come on! Big victory against Arsenal. Let's push push it to nine points and uh, three wins out of three. See you all again soon. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.